Yeah. Like we always do with this. Yeah. Yeah, like we always do it this time I go for mine and made plans for yours Cause I got the shine Go bar for bar, go line for line Like Kobe in 99, I'm so close to prime Bad bitch by my side, I'm so close behind We living in a moment, there's no post to bind You think there was a deal that I'm supposed to sign The game's just a mountain that I'm supposed to climb I remember man, 11 years old when I made it to go Hello and welcome to Film Soliloquy Home of the Involuntary Film Review uh, You're here with the Dancing and Highsmith of Podcasting My name's Jeff and I'm Jason. And and each week we trade movies. I give Jason a movie, he gives me one, both that we've already seen, but the other party hasn't. And the person watching the movie gets to review it and uh, score it, and the other person has nothing. I don't even know how to say this anymore. If you've listened to the show, you know what's going on. We're in a rush right now. We got to get moving on these, on these things. So, JB, <laughs> with, all right, first thing, news up front. Neither of us have lost a bet yet. Okay. Oh, That's still going strong. It's going strong, man. I actually had some red curry beef, but it was paid for by a colleague of mine. So yeah, man. Yeah, I need to see the receipt. Uh man, it's it's on good faith, man. <laughs> okay. All right. So uh you're up. Go ahead and uh, review your movie. All right, listen, let me let me be up straight real quick. All right, so we're kind of rushing this episode because I'm home alone. There's no kid in the house, no wife, no nobody. So I'm trying to get this done before the wife come home. And I'm in a new spot in the in the front room of my house. Hopefully there's not too much feedback or reverb, but we're going to give it a test out. Anyway, so the movie Jeff has provided me to review is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. It stars Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet. So first, first things out of the bag real quick, all right? So I ain't know who this chick was, right? So this lady in this movie, she's playing um, uh, the love interest of Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey's character, who is, um, what's his name, Jeff? John? Joel. Yeah, Joel, that's it. And she plays his love interest. Now, Kate Winslet, I'm like, damn, man, this actress looks super familiar. Now, in the film, she actually dyes her hair several times, many different colors, you know, orange, blue, and all that stuff. It's not until she... She uh, dyed her whole head red that I really understood what she, who she was. And I saw her body. I'm like, I know them titties, man. That's the chick from Titanic. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> Sorry, man. You know, I, I know them titties. You know them titties, right? No comment. Come on, man. Yes, I do. It's on the wallpaper at my computer at work. <laughs> All right. So what this movie is, it's a love movie drama if you will a little bit of comedy to it but the premise is jim carrey he's riding a train and he finds kate winslet's character who is clementine that's right clementine she's freaking crazy man crazy ass girl so she interacts with jim carrey who seems to be kind of like a loner guy he's he's been in a relationship before you can tell he's been hurt and he's just uh he's He's pretty much, what was it? Is introverted? That's the best, is that the word? It's not ex, extroverted, right? It's introverted, right? He's introverted, yes. Introverted, he's an introverted person. And he doesn't want to really have a companion. He's not reaching out to her. So she, she, puts, she puts herself out there. She interacts with him. She asks him, um, you know, his day in and day out. She, she's the one that gets to know him. And he, he reciprocates back finally uh, throughout the movie. 
But what ends up happening is they have a huge falling out. And again, I'm not going to go on super detail, but uh, I am going to make Elliot happy and Jeff happy that this is a pretty good movie. Now, Jeff has been pissed off with me all week because I've been trolling his ass saying that this is probably the worst Jim Carrey movie I've ever seen, <laughs> which is obviously is definitely a lie, man. Yeah, because I've got other Jim Carrey movies on my list. I mean, number 13. Nah, that's not on my list, but you might have seen it. Yeah, I've seen that one. Yeah, so this is one of those Jim Carrey movies that's not really on like a a comedy, you know, like a Dumb and Dumber, a Yes Man. It's kind of like those, it's like a drama, drama, the Truman Show, which that's one of the one of the roles that he plays that's outside of a, a comedic role where I thought he did a phenomenal job. And he did pretty good on this in this film, film too. The one, the only aspect of the film I really didn't like was the way that it was shot. It, it seemed like um, it's one of those. It was kind of like a low budget camera, but you know, obviously the director was trying to do that on purpose. Where you know, there's several scenes where he's him and Clementine are actually out on the ice, and it's just like a frozen lake uh, up north, and they're laying down. And uh, you cut the camera kind of span pans up on them and they're shining the the the, the strobe light or well, the light from the cameras. It's just shot all weird, man. But the other shots in the film, they kind of use. Um, I, don't, I don't know how to describe it, man, because, you know, I'm not I'm not a film journalist or nothing like that. But sometimes I don't know Photoshop in a movie, if you want to call it that. Like there's one scene where they're running. He's trying to he's trying to save her. Uh, from getting erased from his memory and I'll go into I'll go into detail on that in a second but she he's running and it looks like they're in some type of train station and people are just popping out of the shot like there's they're they're running by people and they'll disappear the style of the, of the film is very different and it's pretty it's pretty intriguing so anyway the 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 film is really about uh Jim Carrey, Joel and Clementine is Kate Winslet they have a relationship they fall out and what what they do is when in this relationship after it's over, uh, Kate doesn't want to do any doesn't want to have to do anything with him anymore. So she goes to a doctor who is played by Tom Wilkinson. And I, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. It's like some Jewish name, I guess. And she goes to him to have her memory completely erased. And on that procedure, what they do is they they record themselves on a on a cassette tape and they they use imagery uh, by providing um, like gifts, trinkets, uh, pictures that they may have ha- had of their uh, their loved one or their spouse and or the person their relationship with. They bring that all in and they put them in a device where it kind of does like a CT scan. It scans their brain. Then anytime they have like emotional connection to an object that they show, it lights up a certain sector of their brain, uh, whether it be in the northern hemisphere or the southern hemisphere, however, whatever uh, anatomy is. And they use that information and log it. And when they actually do the procedure, they do it at the comfort of their own home. So what they do is they kind of drug themselves and they pass out in their home. And then their team comes in, who is is Elijah Wood. And they have Mark Ruffalo that does, does these procedures, along with uh, another actress that, you know, is uh, Kristen Dunst. She, you can, she's really young. And so you can tell this film was made quite a quite a bit of, quite a bit ago. And they go into their they go into the, the subject's room or the patient's room and they lie them in bed. They put a device on their head and they start uh, finding those those memories, um, brain waves, and they start erasing it. Kate Winslet's character, Clementine, she has a procedure done and Jim Carrey's character, Joel, finds out through the procedure through a mutual friend 
that she's had that done. So she wants to go. He went to go see her to try to to um, I guess. Well, this is before. Don't worry, Jeff. I'll clean all this shit up. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the movie, though, right? I mean, yeah. things are out of order, so I can understand why your memory going back through is like, wait, uh, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> It's, the movie almost loops back on itself. So it loops back several times, and so he's trying to win back his girlfriend, and he goes to see her, and he she's kissing on another man, and he he doesn't know like she she acts like she doesn't she's never seen him before, and that's only because she had her memory erased, and he didn't know that until he went to a mutual friend, he handed the envelope that it was that it, that it happened. So, what's really cool about this film is the way it's directed. Um, you, there's like multiple timelines going back and forth. A lot of the film is actually projected through the mind of Joel. So inside his mind is how he's seeing things, how he's remembering episodes. And every time that Mark Ruffalo is in his room erasing his memory, like those scenes go away and he jumps back another time slot to find Clementine again in his mind. And the whole film, they're actually trying to run away to, and go deeper and deeper into his memory. So that way he can keep keep her stored in his mind. And Mark Ruffalo is just trying to chase him um, in there. And one of the funny scenes is is called um, I forgot what they called it, but he he goes to a dark place in his memory and brings her in there where his mom catches him baiting. <laughs> <laughs> and me and Jeff has that inside joke. Go away, I'm baiting. <laughs> Go away. So, so uh, yeah, man. So, uh, at the very end, it's 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 pretty much revealed that the the time loop. Um, uh, they've they've met before. They had the relationship. Uh, it didn't work out. She had his mem- She had her memory erased. He erased his memory. And what ends up happening is he he wakes up from uh, from the procedure in his home. He's supposed to go to work, but he doesn't. And it just the the ending scene reverts right back to the beginning where you show him skipping the train to go to work, going on a different train, and happen to meet Clementine again. Uh, they they build up the romantic relationship very quickly again, um, and then one of the one of the actual employees who is played by uh, Kristen Dunst, the character's name is Mary, played by Kristen Dunst. She finds out that she at one time had a romantic relationship with the the doctor, and she had her memory erased as well. And she knows that this is not something that's conducive for a relationship, so she she ends up. Uh, stealing all the patient documents and actually mailing them out to the uh, to the each particular person and so it gets revealed that they've they've had the relationship before they listen to their own tapes it's kind of like it's kind of like a, a funnier part of um 13 reasons why where you listen to your own tape <laughs> and mm-hmm. listen to all the tape they they see that they they've had a relationship before and it's failed and that they ultimately start hating each other but they're like you know what let's give it a go we'll we'll try it again and that's how that's pretty much uh, that wraps up the whole movie. Uh, before I yeah. actually give it up a, a letter grade, man, do you want to add anything? Uh, I mean, boy, this is like one of those movies that is rewatchable, though, because, OK, there. So there's a, the movie Stay is kind of one of those cryptic movies that you kind of have to try to figure out. Did you just mention Stay Do- to me? I did. Uh, another <laughs> I'm trying to get you to want to see it. So you go to lunch. Uh, and then there's another movie called Donnie Darko that a friend, a couple of my friends oh, really love. That I heard I, about that. I've never I seen it. I hate that movie. I'm going to put it on the list and punish you with it one day if you 
anyway, uh, I cannot stand it, but a lot of people, a lot of people really like it. And part of it is, it's just this overly cryptic thing where you might have to watch it six or seven times just to come up with a theory. The thing I like about this movie is the storytelling is so well done that at the end of it, you really kind of do understand what's going on, but you do benefit from multiple watches because you pick up new things. So the acting's great. The storytelling's great. I love it. It's a fantastic yeah. movie. It is a pretty damn good movie. Now let's just see what I'm going to have to rate it from here on out. Yep. So I don't want you to take this the wrong. I don't want the listener to take this the wrong way. I don't want Jeff to take this the wrong way. Is it like an A plus? Nah, man, it ain't no A plus. I mean, Shawshank Redemption is an A plus movie, right? Is it an right. F? Nah, man, it can't be I that. Mean, hell no. <laughs> No, nah. <laughs> this will be the last episode. <laughs> Can't it be? I will give you Donnie Darko this week. <laughs> I mean, I'm again. Um, I watched this movie once, and then um, right, I think yesterday, right? Yesterday, I rewatched it again while I was at work. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe I shouldn't be mentioning that part, but yeah. Well, you're editing this week, so yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I watched it again on my second viewing. At home, in the comfort of your jizz-covered beanbag chair. Nah, man. God, leave out you putting that out there, bro? <laughs> it's not out there. You're editing this week. <laughs> I'm keeping that in with my sweatpants. That's up to you. <laughs> Remember, guys, don't wear black sweatpants. It shows colors. <laughs> okay. Anyway. I'm... I'm not, and I'm not doing this for you, Jeff. This is not for you. A minus. Okay. You liked it that much. I liked it that much. Yes. I love that. Finally. So you guys don't know the stress I've been through. Him giving me these B pluses. But you got to remember though. We even even said it in our intro. B pluses are damn good movies. They are. I agree. I agree. So I'm very happy with the A minus. I haven't got the perfect score yet, but. I've kind of showed you a lot of my perfect movies, but, and a lot of them we already have watched on our own anyway. So, mm-hmm. all right. Well, that's record time on a review and synopsis. Yeah, man. Well, I mean, we're on, unfortunately, on some time constraints, man. I feel like I'm... we're on borrowed time, right? Yeah. All right. So I'll go ahead and dig into mine. This is a bite sized episode of Film Soliloquy. Uh, so I had the pleasure or misfortune we will see of watching Bohemian <laughs> Rhapsody. It stars, uh, what's his name? A- Amy Malik, Alex Malik. Yeah. He's that dude from Mr. Robot. Oh, uh, Rami Malik. Uh, and then people that you've not heard of Ben Hardy. I don't know if he's related to Tom or not. Uh, and then of course, Mike Myers. Now I know a movie you haven't seen JB, but I want to just test your pop pop knowledge. What relationship before this movie did Mike Myers have to the band Queen? Nothing. You lose. Incorrect. So, <laughs> you know the song Bohemian Rhapsody, right? Well, now I do after watching the film. So, you had not heard it before? No, not at all. Okay. So, and I know you haven't seen this movie because it's on the list. In the 90s, a movie came out called Wayne's World. It stars Dana Carvey and Mike Myers. And there's an iconic scene of them listening to Bohemian Rhapsody and headbanging to it on the way to like a restaurant or something. And it actually kind of re 
invigorated the popularity of the song Bohemian Rhapsody. So I think that's why the director made a point of putting Mike Myers in this movie, just to kind of make that connection. Yeah, because the character he played is not even a real life character. Well, We're not even a real that. person. Yeah. So when you gave him this movie, I said, I don't really like biopics and, and we'll be able to get into that. So this is the story of Freddie Mercury mainly. Uh, it is supposed to be about Queen, but you don't really get into the other band members much because, frankly, Freddie Mercury has the most interesting story. Uh, and he's the voice behind Queen, but there's a lot of things I didn't know, and I had to double check because this movie isn't totally factual, is that a lot of the band members contributed a lot to the writing. Uh, the guitarist Brian uh, Brian May uh, particularly did a lot of writing and... Now, I don't know for sure if the bassist actually came up with the bass line for Another One Bites the Dust or not, but that's what they say in the movie. Again, there's a lot of things you can't take seriously because they they straight up make stuff up in this movie. So mm -hmm. it opens up with uh, Remy Malek uh, playing Freddie Mercury. He goes to a club to see a band called Smile, which is the actual name of the band that he joins and later becomes Queen. Um, and their lead singer quits on them at the end of the concert. And so Freddie Mercury says, Hey, I'm a singer. I'm a writer. They're like, whatever, get out of here with those buck teeth. And <laughs> he's like, and then he just starts singing and they're like, Oh, this guy really has, can sing. And Freddie's like, well, it's because of this, this buck teeth thing, this overbite I have. And which Freddie Mercury notably had like his his biggest features were the mustache and his overbite and a lot of people asked why he didn't correct it and according to some research i've done it's because he didn't want to have to mess up his voice so there's a little bit of truth to that now in real life he was already friends with the band smile and mm -hmm. and the guy the lead singer left on his own terms and at that point it just was easy for freddie to come in and join the band they changed the name to queen and uh, there's a part where they sell. A, so there's things that I don't mind for storytelling. Like they sell their van to get studio time in real life. That didn't happen. They had free studio time. That's like a minor thing. Uh, but near the end of the movie, there's like one really big thing. And then some other things that are just completely like if you watch this movie and go out and talk about how much you love Queen and you know all about it and you say the things that happen in this movie. People are going to laugh at you because it's just false. So, and I think this had to go through some rewrites. I know the director of this movie got canceled for some of his actions, was part of the Me Too thing on the bad side of it. Yeah. <laughs> for real? Yeah. So he, he's kind of, I, I don't know if that contributed to some of the rewrites. Apparently the band did have a lot to say in this, but Freddie... Uh, starts dating a woman by the name of Mary Austin and you know, it's getting pretty serious and he, he gets her a ring and, in, in, and they get engaged and their band actually starts picking up steam. Their stuff starts showing up on the charts. Um, one of their big hits was killer queen, which did you, have you heard that song JB? It's in, uh, I don't know if it's in the movie. I can't remember. I'm not it's too fantastic. sure. So one of the things this movie benefits from, and one of the reasons I think when you first saw it and you recommended it to me, you you enjoyed it. Yeah, because when I, I didn't know anything about Queen, 
or the songs that they played. And when somebody recommended it to me before when I was hitting theater, I had no interest in watching it. And again, you know, kind of like I explained in the previous episode when it came on HBO and I started watching it, like all these memorable songs that I've known from my childhood. I'm like, mm-hmm. damn, Queen sung this? Which which, which ones surprised you that you didn't know were Queen songs? Mm, almost all we of them. We Will Rock You? Well, I knew, yeah, um, like, I didn't know they sung We Will Rock You. I didn't know they sung uh, another one, Bice of Dust. Uh, damn, what song did I know? <laughs> it wasn't um, much. Did you know We Are the Champions was them? Nope, didn't know that. I thought that was an American-made song, man. Okay, so that's pretty much all the like. If you don't know those songs are them, then yeah, they're amazing. I mean, yeah, they're amazing. They did the Flash Gordon song. I mean, Freddie Mercury is one of the best vocalists of all time, and you'd have a hard time finding anyone who'd argue with that. Yeah, that one song where like obviously I'm not gonna try to recreate it, but they're in the stu- they're in the booth, and he's like getting that high pitch sound forever, whatever you know. And like how mm-hmm. high he was hitting that dude, that was amazing. I was like, wow. Hey, you need to get on your favorite sh- music streaming app of choice and just look up a playlist like Queen's Greatest Hits. So good. Like I, I listened to a bunch of Queen this week because the movie got me in the mood. Because, okay, so I kind of got sidetracked. The big thing about this movie, the best thing going for it, is that it's about Queen. And so the soundtrack is filled with these amazing queen songs. So I found myself really enjoying the movie despite some of major shortcomings, because when the bassist started talking about writing another one bites the dust and he started laying down the, 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 the baseline, I'm like, Oh yeah, I know that song. Like mm-hmm. there's those moments in the movie where I'm like, yeah, you know? Um, so anyway, they start getting some traction and, uh, and I might get some things out of order, but the there's a they not so subtly hint. And anyone who knows anything about Freddie Mercury knows that he was a gay man. Uh, he's he's well, he himself says he's bisexual. Um, and they do that in the movie, but in real life, he considered himself bisexual. But in the movie now, and a lot of the stuff I don't know how accurate it is, but his fiance starts to notice that he's becoming distant and she ends up suspecting why. And he comes out to her and she takes the ring off, but then he asks her to keep it on because their friendship is so important. And this is true too. They, when he passes, they're still best friends. She takes care of him and late in his life, uh, along with his partner who we'll get to a little bit. He even leaves everything to her after he dies. Um, I think the boy, you know, the boyfriend that you're going to be getting to, he only got maybe like uh, half a million pounds. And again, you know, mm-hmm. that's the currency in the, in England. And she got everything else, the house, all his money, um, all his. Yeah, uh, she was like, and again, I don't know the full story, but she's almost like his real life partner. Yep. You know what I mean? They're like, they weren't sexual partners. But in life, she was his best friend. So they, so now he's out of the closet. But you start to notice he's he is very per- promiscuous on the road, which is the story of like a lot of rock stars. They get out on the road, and anybody they want, they can have. And that's the case with Freddie Mercury. Uh, so they go through just some various trials and, and tribulations or turbulations about 
the band, but mostly they kind of really play into Freddie Mercury and his genius. And there's a scene with Mike Myers as their sort of uh, label executive who we talk about. This character is fake. He's kind of like a hybrid of a bunch of different characters. They basically put their foot down because they've written Bohemian Rhapsody, which is one of their most favorite famous songs. I don't know which, because I mean, We Are the Champions gets played at the, like every sporting championship ever. You know what I mean? So that might be their most well-known song or We Will Rock You, but Bohemian Rhapsody is in the top five of their most well-known songs for sure. And obviously the movie's named after it. The, the song is six minutes long and for radio, that's considered too long. That's like twice the size. They say three minutes is what you want to be at. So they put their foot down and essentially tell the executive, everyone, you will now be known as the guy who lost Queen. This never happens. The The executive they have their bit closest relationship with is actually a fan of theirs. He does push back on this song not being their single because it's too long, but it's not this sort of breaking point. And it is true that Freddie and the band go out and they have friends that are DJs and they get it played anyway in spite of the label. And then it becomes the hit that everyone knows it to be. So from here, you know, it just really kind of keeps going. They keep talking about how they're changing their sound. Like their first couple albums were rock and the album that had Bohemian Rhapsody was night at the opera. So it has this operatic theme, you know, Freddie gets rich, buys a house. There's a scene where he gets his new house and they reveal him. Cause in most of the first half of the movie, he's got long hair and the second half he's got short hair and a mustache and he meets a guy who, I don't know what his relationship is, but he's one of Freddie's lovers, but he's also on tour with them. And he kind of manipulates Freddie and isolates him. Like a lot of users in real life will isolate people from their actual loved ones. And in the movie, this causes tension with the band. I've heard different stories when I look at what happened in real life. Anyway, so he ends up getting really heavy into drug use. And, and of course, he's still being promiscuous. He, they saw a scene where he's in the studio and they're recording and he starts coughing up blood. So he starts to realize something's wrong. Eventually, there's a falling out with the band because and this is the big thing they just made up. So there's a studio or a label that wants to give Freddie a solo contract for a few albums and there's a meeting of the band and Freddie's like, I'm going solo. And the band's like, what? <laughs> we all were together. You can't do that. I'm doing it. I'm Freddie Mercury. And you're keeping my genius in a bottle or something. And they're like, Damn, that's man. not fair. Good. Hey, man, that's a good accent, bro. Well, I'm sure there'll be other critics. That's my Australian accent. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, now in real life. Freddie was like the last person to do solo projects. Like the drummer and Brian May, the guitarist did solo projects before Freddie Mercury. They never broke up. So in the, in the story, in the movie, they broke up and Freddie was doing all his solo stuff. And this is the time where everything was going downhill with this guy who was using him. His friend, Mary comes to the doors, worried about him. You know, they haven't heard from him. She kind of gives him a rude awakening you find out that she's dating someone. I think she's pregnant at this point as well. And there is still some like in the movie, still some weird like jealousy thing kind of, but not, you can tell it bothers him a little bit, but he doesn't really show it. And this is the point he realizes he's being abused by this guy. 
he says, you know, I'm done with you. I don't want to ever see you again. You're fired. Get out of here. They fire Mike Myers. And while Mike Myers is early on in the movie, who's going to represent you? And their attorney does. This new manager or agent is calling, say, hey, there's this live aid thing going on. It's this huge concert. We want you to be a part of it, but we have to have the whole band. I'm not talking to the band. And, but the band wants to talk to you. And so it's been years. Queen has been broken apart years now. Keep in mind, this never happened. So they have a meeting and Freddie apologizes and they're like, okay, but now we got to practice. Shortly before this, Freddie gets the diagnosis. If you didn't know, Freddie Mercury died of pneumonia as a complication from AIDS. And he gets that diagnosis that he has uh, AIDS shortly before this. So he says, you know, I want to get back to get with the band. And they all accept him back after a heartfelt apology. But now we got to practice together. We've we've not been a band for several years. We got to go to the studio and and start practicing. So they start practicing, and Freddie's having a hard time. His vocals just aren't there. They're not gelling as a band, and they're wondering how this huge concert at Live Aid is going to go. Again, all false. In in real life, they had taken a break from touring for two months. Two months. It's hardly the reunion they show in the movie. And so it's not. The other thing is, is at the Live Aid concert, he had not been diagnosed yet. Everything was just status quo in real life. But in the movie, this is this is the big finale. They end the movie. And I see why they end the movie here. And that you have to get to his AIDS diagnosis because it is so pivotal in his life. So I get that you it's wrong. Like it's not what happened. So the other big person in his life is his, his partner, Jim Hutton. Now, Jim Hutton actually comes on later in life. This is another thing where they kind of make something up. So he's actually one of the people that works for Freddie in his home, which I don't believe is true. They have a brief sort of romantic moment, but Jim's like, you know, you clearly are not okay with yourself. You're not in a good place. When you are in a good place, come and find me. After he gets his A diagnosis late in the movie, he goes and finds Jim Hutton. My understanding is that's totally not how it happened, but they wanted to have him in the movie. So Jim Hutton, Mary and her then husband are watching this Live Aid performance and if you don't know, the Live Aid performance, I think, is their most popular performance. Freddie Mercury was known for being a performer, like just this incredible performer. And you can go on YouTube and see the full Live Aid performance, the original one on YouTube. It's already there. I rewatched it. And there's also a lot of videos of the side-by-side -side comparisons of the way they recreated it. It's like shot, not it's not quite shot for shot because they inserted some shots of Jim Hutton and Mary Austin on the side watching the concert. And there was a few different things, but they really simulate the concert as close as they possibly can. And it felt, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but it felt like the full concert because they only get 20 minutes per band because they're just showing all these huge, huge bands back to back to back. So it was a 20 minute set. But as soon as Freddie hits the stage from the beginning to end, it's he's just on it. And if you go watch the video on YouTube of the Live Aid with the original one, because then you get the real experience. Now, I don't I, did Rami Malik do his own singing in this? No, no, not at all. OK, because the singing's really good. 
I don't know who did it or if they just pulled from, you know, Freddie himself. I think there was an interview with with um, with the actor, and he even alluded to that he can't sing and he can't dance. Okay, so it would be amazing if someone would be able to copy Freddie. So one of the things um, that Freddie has a four octave range voice, which I'm not a muso. I don't know exactly what that means, but like the record, I think is six. And I know the lead singer from Faith No More back in the '90s. He had like a five octave anyway but his vocal range is insane and so it'd be really hard to find someone to simulate that because we've seen other uh biopics like the johnny cash one which is just as inaccurate as this one is but joaquin phoenix actually does his own singing in that one so i was kind of wondering if rami malik did now one of the most glaring issues besides and it's a minor one but besides the issues with them just making crap up is the prosthetic teeth. They're so bad. Like his overbite is just insanely large because yes, Freddie Mercury has an overbite, but his face was built to have that sort of overbite. Rami Malek doesn't have an overbite in real life. So they put these prosthetics in there and you can tell he's uncomfortable. And there's several moments in the movie where you can just see he's having to move his lips around the prosthetic and keeping from drooling everywhere. Cause he's got this just enormous, like comically sized overbite. It's a minor gripe and I don't know how you fix it, but it just looked bad. I'd almost rather they didn't have it. How did you feel about it? Oh, I thought it was okay, man. I ain't having a problem okay. with it. To me, it was huge. And Rami Malek looks kind of silly with it. And, but again, that's the plot of the movie. Uh, my problems with it were how a lot of it was made up. Rami Malek does a pretty good job acting. Uh, most of the performances are great. There's really no bad performances. The The issues I have with it are the pacing, the fact that it follows a formulaic, like, biopic story to the point where they insert the band breaking up and then getting back together. There's a movie called Spinal Tap, which is on the list, Jason, I'll make you watch at some point, which parodies this. And it does the same thing. They break up and then they reform to go on a reunion tour. And it just kind of copies this storyline. And this was back, I think Spinal Tap was in the late 70s, maybe early 80s, mid 80s. It's so formulaic, which is crazy. It'd be one thing if it were true and formulaic, but it was not in formulaic. Anyway, my letter grade, this is like a C. Uh, the music's amazing, but it's Queen, and you can just listen to the CD. The, the acting's decent. Like, it's just the story was false, and that was like my biggest problem. Like, if if someone didn't know any better and they watched this movie and left, they'd be like, "Okay, I, I, yeah, did you know Queen broke up? No, they didn't, and they just look like an idiot." So, do you have anything to add? I kind of skipped that point, but. Yeah, man, I don't have anything left left to add. Um, I really enjoyed the ending of the film, uh, the the complete production, and from them duplicate the entire Live Aid in there was phenomenal. And again, it was just so surprising of all the songs that they played that they actually made those songs. I'm like, damn, man, it just yeah, I'm just like you. It made me after watching the film. I didn't watch any docu uh, documentaries after the fact. 
until later and then i figured out that hey, damn a lot of that stuff was made up but i did the same thing as you by listening to the songs on google play music and just pretty much jamming out on those for the entire weekend so yeah man i'm cool i mean obviously i thought it was higher than a c but oh well it is what it is yeah yeah my thing if i think his life was interesting enough where you didn't have to fabricate things and it would be a good documentary and i just think some of the choices they made weren't great there's a lot of good though uh especially in the music and some of the performances are good but in the end it it i probably won't ever watch it again it's just fine <laughs> giving it one of them jb endings i'll never watch yeah it again. yep cool so uh let's uh let's get into our movies for next week man my this favorite my, part my favorite part of the show yep. i love the movie exchange uh and since i am a man who enjoys a good comedy and i'm not saying this is a good comedy all right i don't know how this is gonna go but it's fun and you won't be bored um so i'm gonna give you another slapstick comedy and this slapstick comedy let me go ahead and throw this cast at you see how you feel it's got emilio estevez John Lovitz, Tim Curry, Kathy Ireland, William Shatner, and Samuel L. Jackson. Damn, okay. All right. Uh, it's directed by, G- I don't know, Gene Qu- Quintano. Uh, it is a parody of buddy cop movies, and it's called National Lampoon's Loaded Weapon 1. Okay, yeah, that's an oldie. That's, uh, that's... 93. Yes, that's oldie. Yeah, all right, all yeah. right. I think some of the references are going to be a little lost on you, but ah, there's still some really good stuff in there. I rewatched it actually this week just because I knew that I wanted to give it to you. Okay, okay, all right. What all you right. got for me? I accept that. <laughs> you were laughing your butt off when we were going through picking our little deleted scene because <laughs> we were deciding our movies, and this dude starts laughing. <laughs> so another thing so we were talking about bad movies the other day and who has seen the most and then i just started showing you a list of all the movies i watched when i was dating abby and the stuff i was willing to sit through so you be careful with this little this little laughy selection you've made when you when you gave me a list of examples of these crappy movies you've seen and you gave me one that was 500 minutes long was it 500 minutes <laughs> <laughs> yeah like, oh, bro. I, I wouldn't actually because that one all right what we're talking about is the pride and prejudice the bbc one and technically it would not fit in this show because it originally aired as a television show it was later cut together as a movie so yeah yeah you win you won't <laughs> you don't ever have to worry about seeing that all right all right let me hype up my movie for you all right Okay. Uh, here we go. Mm. Yeah, here we go. All right. So, who was a surprise actor in Harold and Kumar? Oh, um, Neil Patrick Harris. Right? Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah, I'd get there. I was gonna call him Doogie. Yeah, yeah. NPH, right, right. But forget that guy, right? That's just a curveball, okay. right? It has your boy, Tyler Perry. No, come on. <laughs> Tyler Perry, right? Okay. 
How you feeling so far? Um, yeah, good. Not good. Okay, okay, okay. Unless it's Star Trek, is it Star one of the Star Trek movies? He was in Star Trek. Yeah, yeah, yeah but that definitely ain't it because you've seen those. Harold was in Harold was in Star Trek. Yep. It also has this is the this is actually the leading actor. It's Ben Affleck and Rosamund Pike. If that's how you pronounce her first name. Oh, a Gone Girl. Gone Girl, buddy. Yes, sir. Okay. You're watching Gone. All right. Which I'm shocked. Yay. Shocked you haven't seen this before. You haven't. No one spoiled this for movie for you, right? Uh, I don't think so. I don't remember any spoilers. Good. All right. Cool. Because you need to go in this movie not knowing anything at all. Blind, huh? Yeah. Like the lobster blind. Yeah. The lobster is so good. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's a, it gets a B. Mm-hmm. You know, Eternal the yeah. s- Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind is a. Uh, it's better than that movie. Yeah, well, yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. I mean, I did listen. The lobster is not an A movie. I think you put <laughs> it right in its place. I mean, I really like it for what it is, but. Anyway, why are we talking about the lobster? <laughs> You're watching Gone Girl, man. I can't All wait right. to hear this review because it is. I remember when I watched this in the movie theaters, and I ain't know sh- I ain't know nothing about this movie. Didn't read the the novel because this is based off a novel, I think. And you I, read the novel? Hell no, I ain't read the novel. I wanted to. After oh, after I know knowing. you like movies. I know you like books that are about to be movies, like Girl on a Train. Oh my god, boy, that was that was. We t- have had zero success. We did that. <laughs> And then we did Ready Player One. We've had zero success. I think the only best success, and that's probably a future episode, when the new It movie comes out in September. That yeah, one. but you saw the movie. You saw the first It before you read the book. Yeah, boy, that book was ooh, that book was thick. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for us. Uh, we want to thank you for listening to Film Soliloquy. You can find us on Twitter at Film Soliloquy. Our music is provided to us by Sir Flame. You can find him on Twitter and Instagram at Set It On Flame. And uh, other than that, I think that's it. You got anything you want to add? Nope. All right. Well, we'll catch you next week for more film soliloquy. Yeah, like we always do it this time I go for mine and made plans for yours Cause I got the shine Go bar for bar, go line for line Like Kobe in 99, I'm so close to prime Bad bitch by my side, I'm so close behind We living in a moment, there's no post to bind You think there was a deal that I'm supposed to sign The game's just a mountain that I'm supposed to climb I remember, man, 11 years old when I made it to go Up in Fairville, I related to cold Fresh bubble jacket, shit, I hated the cold But when winter come around, we would play in the snow They had enough North Sway, so I made it